the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Rochester Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. My body's ready, my heart's on fire, I'm gonna push it over the wire, perfect timing, tired as Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Cutting it close, uh, as per usual. Uh, getting this out just before the 24-hour, uh, will be just before the 24-hour uh point of uh when this card is supposed to come out so uh yeah anyways we're gonna get right to it. it'll be another expedited version it'll be a brief 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 recap of ufc 237 bellator 221 uh and then it's right on to the uh right on to the breakdown uh again uh this two weeks c- coming off we're gonna be using it productively we're still gonna be providing some entertainment good news is we get to go back to the top fives but yeah as you know these top five shows and, and they get limited when the UFC just goes on these crazy run of schedules and uh, not making excuses for myself. I still would like to be getting these out by Thursday, not Friday morning, uh, like I have been. But uh, yeah, cut me some slack. We're about halfway through the year, and I think you know we've only had like what three UFC free free weekends or something like ridiculous. Um, so you know me by the end of it, I'm, I'm kind of just crawling across. But uh, th- th- there's some fun stuff. Some. Some surprising plays. I thought this was going to be another kind of a big avoid card, like last card for the most part, which is good because I, I didn't do too well. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, 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 it's going to be fun. We'll knock it out here. Um, yeah, okay, that's the notes I wanted to get to. Bellator 221 real quick. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things. Again, I... Oh, the bias is coming to play. We'll talk about the, uh, the headline of this card because I feel like it... You know, we could see a similar thing. Uh, spoiler alert, but, but you know, my, not really spoiler alert. My breakdown's already out. But, uh, yes, Pat- Patricio Fiede scored the upset, if you will, over Michael Chandler. Obviously, big Michael Chandler fan. Obviously, there's bias there. But, man, when this fight first came out, and I, I did tell some people uh, as well, uh, like my co-host, I'm like, I, I, I think Fiede's going to take this. Ended up picking Chandler, and not just from the bias. I mean, I just thought that, you know, with the you know, him showing to control his uh, emotions and fight smart in the Brent Primus fight after getting hurt. Uh, he would just do the same here unless he just got iced, of course, which is pretty much what happened. It was just one of those awkward time stoppages. And man, Michael Chandler's got a host of those, right? Like the stool being pulled out. The, the stoppages have all been kind of weird. Like, you know, the uh, uh, I'm good, the weird uh, the Will Brooks one. And, you know, there's always some kind of insult to injury as well to go along with the stoppage. So, uh, but, you know, uh, hats off to, uh, to Pitbull, man. Uh, Lima defeated Page. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to get the knockout, but uh, I, I definitely, you know, I wasn't sure if it was going to be the decision or the knockout, but I, I did say it was going to be like a, uh, 
of Shogun Machida S with the leg kick and right hand, but it didn't see quite like that. I mean, that was just a fucking cool timing. Everything kind of lined up perfectly, and props to Lima, and Page took it well. McKee um, Kern, Kern was the test, it was a slow-paced fight. Uh, Hager, TJ Jones, that was funny. Dazen tweeted out, uh, and now his watch has ended, and that, I got a, got a laugh of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try not to overreact. Uh, I don't, I don't feel that I did. It just was one of those things again. I just, you know, it, it just came off. Uh, it just came off pretty bad. Uh, I get, you know. I will say this in, in Hager's defense and Hardy's defense. So I want to mix in positives here, so people don't think I'm like attacking the poor football players, <laughs> the poor athletes. Uh, the poor million. Okay, you get it. Uh, but you know, people get sensitive about that, and uh, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm I'm being fair here, in all honesty. And and in guys like Hardy and Hager's defense, um, I think that again, and I've I've made this argument before with the Hardy thing. And part of the co-main event thing that's upsetting is even if you're a Greg Hardy fan, you should be upset. Uh, you know, he's getting pushed way too fast, and it could be very detrimental. Um, as we saw in his first. Uh, timeout against Alan Crowder there and getting that spotlight and uh you know hitting the DQ and I don't think, and I'm not one of those pe- I, I wasn't one of these people or am I oh he did it on purpose he's just a brute everywhere and I'm like well, I'm not I'm not on board with that I'm not I'm not saying that here I just think when you rush these these guys they're gonna you're gonna see more amateurish mistakes and again I'm not picking on them by saying why are we holding them to this high standard what have they shown to do uh but um but yeah, you know, I, I think that 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 comes into play. Uh, if anything, it, it's a defensible excuse for you know people that would get sensitive or, or upset uh, at, at me saying that. Um, whereas, even though I believe Hager also played football, he also had wrestling, and it showed. You know, say what you will about his opponent. At a certain point, I said this on this podcast before. Yes, uh, opponent can be a quote unquote garbage can or whatever. But at a certain point, you do need to still, at least if it's your job or if you're trying to make plays and gather critical analysis you still got to judge what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong regardless of the opposition you know uh where you can i guess i should say and hager was doing some really nice rides and whatnot there and really just it translates really well again no surprise wrestling translates really well you know uh so uh so you know he pulled it off but the negative part i guess i could say that you know because my tweet was just like, I guess being athletic, dominant, and beating a guy up isn't enough. It's how you win, folks. And to some extent was my tweet. And I do stand by that. It's true. It is how you win. And, uh, you know, the optics look bad. You know, you're already being, you know, kind of fed a can and this and that. Uh, you're this chiseled athlete, good-looking, all-American guy and, and you know, uh, and whatnot. And these a lot of these things can be said for Greg Hardy, too, a different type of, you know, uh, a different type of look, but still a handsome, athletic dude. You know what I'm saying? All these, like, and, and, and with Hager, you know, all, all these, you know, the money, all these things, and, and then you're you're being fed a can, getting a great spot on a card, uh, even though you're not getting as much, much money as maybe pro wrestling or pro football paid you, you're still getting a lot more money than the other guys on the card who's had to fight a lot more than you. And I understand that's how the world works. I'm not arguing it, but... To pretend that that's fair, I I don't think I can. I've accepted it because obviously I work in this industry. I'm not saying that. I get all those things, folks. But that doesn't mean you have to like it. And that doesn't mean you have to say the sky is red when, in fact, it is blue. Uh, And I'm one of those people that like to call the sky for what it is, and it's blue. 
so I just think those optics kind of kind of look bad. I think that's where the negative stems from. So a little positive, little negative there. But yeah, uh, and uh, Claxton man came up came up uh, and beat uh, James Bennett there. So hopefully he gets a, a better, a, a more more of a step up in the future. You know, big fan of Claxton. And uh, share coach UFC 237 was pretty crazy too. Uh, Jessica Andrade defeated Rose Namajunas. Uh, didn't look like she was going to. And then of course the slam. I was really surprised. I know everybody's kind of giving their takes. I'm, I'm just going to be blowing through this. But I did tweet this on the, the night of. And, this, this, and I talked about it on Monday. I'm junkie radio. This is very textbook. Uh, not getting into the arcing rules, which have been explained uh, beautifully by you know, John McCarthy and others on Twitter and online. But um. It is textbook. Whenever someone locks up a figure four, Kimura, double wrist lock, whatever you want to call it, you always slam to the same side, people. You slam to the side of the grip. Just like, oh, somebody locks up the body triangle, you go to the grip. It's kind of a similar principle. More violent, of course. You can get more leverage, but that, that's kind of the whole point. Uh, see UFC 125, Nate Diaz versus Rory McDonald. Uh, I think Nate Diaz, every time, would go to like the figure four or the uh, Kimura. <coughs> and... Uh, the Roy was just kind of tossing him around. I remember, everybody remembers Roy tossing him around. Uh, I believe that was at that fight. Oh, was that Dong Yun? Oh, no, wait, that was Dong Yun Kim. Anyways, I'll use it to 125, but maybe it was Canada. Maybe it was both those fights. Either way, I think Roy, everyone remembers Roy tossing uh, Nate Diaz around, but uh, it was it was the grip and the, uh, that allowed the toss to be so effective. Um, anyways, so, yeah, not much to say there. Uh, Anderson Silva play went in the dump. Uh, but, you know, props to Jerry Cannon here. It was his plan to kick the leg, you know. Um, but I guess the optics of, you know, going after said hurt leg, seeing Anderson Silva's uh, resemble being hurt in, in said way that was burned into most of our heads in Brazil. And then he kind of did the whole Kogan ear thing, which, you know, Cannon ear admitted to. He's a class guy. No, nothing against Cannon ear. Uh, but, you know, the Brazil crowd just went fucking bananas, right? Jesus. And Volkanovsky, I think there's one play that came through for me, the one dog. Uh, beat uh, Aldo. Um, didn't get it done inside the distance. Uh, it wasn't as great, but just it was almost more impressive just the way he was able to kind of faint and overload uh, Aldo there. So props to you, Alexander the Great. Uh, Lorelando Steropoli is 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 uh, man. Unless until he fights fights a wrestler, I got to stop fading this guy. Um, just a fun, tough guy, big, athletic. Looks like as long as he keeps getting better, he can. Stay afloat, uh, so long as they don't just pour him with wrestlers. But uh, I will get back on the fading train on that guy if they if they, if they give him anyone with a, with a good wrestling or submission game. That said, Strapoli's get-up game was, was really urgent. I was actually really impressed with that, giving that dude credit. Because uh, most people are going to want to take him down. Because uh, his kickboxing uh, only looks to be getting better each time out. So uh, props to him. Uh, Tiago Alva's tough, man. He's just he's, he's throwing. He's, he's taken to the third round, though, and a lot of these fights for him to even get going these days. And he has to take, like, a beating just to get there. So that's it's not a good equation. Uh, it's not quite BJ Penn territory, which we'll get to here in a second, but Tiago Alves, he's, uh, he's coming down the stretch of that race as, as well. All right, Arin Aldana. Yeah, you know... Sorry, uh, and she got the arm bar. There we go uh, over 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 batch. Yeah, that was that was unexpected uh, finish to that one. I thought she was just gonna volume box her, but hey, uh, g- come on, Irene. That's oh, no, Eileen Dan. Uh, Span defeated Nogueira. That was sad. I knew that could happen, but uh, you know, like I said on here, that was a that was a biased pick and and didn't uh, 
Didn't expect anyone to jump off that cliff with me. All right. Um, we got Moises beat Hullabaugh. That was a close one. I kind of said avoid because it was going to be close. By the way, speaking of, you know, it's how you win. That doesn't just go to the athletes, too. A lot of I told you so it was just going on. And it's the weirdest fights people flex on these days. It's so weird. Ugh. I don't know. I always follow the fighters, the fighters moniker. Speaking of that comparison slash analogy, is you don't get too high, you don't get too low in this game. I think that's really good advice for a lot of walks of life. Keep that in mind, folks. All right, Warley Alves defeated Sergio Moraes. Um, I feel like I'm giving Warley credit where he's due. I don't think I'm like just blindly like fading him or you know habitual clock checker. Uh, you know, uh, I feel like there was a, a you know. A, a logical argument to take a shot on Marias here. That said, Warley actually was one of the guys who impressed me most on this card. Not just prove me wrong, obviously, he got the win, but more importantly, he he really impressed the, the, the shit out of me. Uh, just measuring, just being fucking surgical, picking apart. I hope to see more of that Warley Alves. Like that Warley Alves is much more scarier. Even if he wasn't able to get the finish toward the end, I still would have been just as impressed, just because of how measured he was. All right, next fight, Guida defeated Pena. That was really sad, depressing. All of the above. Um, yeah, it's sad, man. I don't. Uh, again, I, I know uh, being Hawaiian and, and being a, a fan of BJ Penn's career uh, and referencing so much. It's, you know, again with 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 this culture of, of we like to be I told you so. So it's and it's one of those things that's weird. Like I, I totally get it. Like here's the lighter version, for example. I'm not. It, big into sports, so it doesn't really happen to me, but, like, friends of mine. Uh, and it actually would happen, too. Like, people I wouldn't talk to in years, but, like, when BJ Penn first started losing, they would just text you out of the blue, like, hey, your boy, like, who? I don't even have this person's number in my phone. Who are you? But people would just be waiting, just, you know, like, just random shit. And I, and I wasn't, like, an antagonizing, like, I'm, I was probably probably coolant in many ways, but not like that, you know? So it just, I never got that part of sports culture, so it made contrarian Dan even less into sports culture. But people love kind of uh, doing that. So, like, there's a lot of just, like, now with all this stuff coming out, BJ Penn, like, ah, your boy, huh? Like, uh, I've never met him. He's not my boy. And I said when this stuff came out, even though they're allegations and they're in a divorce suit, which should be kept in mind, as whereas a, a guy like Greg Hardy, uh, there's actually physical evidence and a conviction. So there's a, big, there's a big world of difference there, folks. That being said, would I be surprised? No. And even though, like, I just made that argument that's not official, did it change my opinion on the guy? Yes, it did, man. Yes, it did. Uh, again, just getting hit in the head, having yes-men around you, sticking around long enough, you know, whatever the Joker Dark Knight quote is, all those things are very true, and I believe they all compound and play their own role into some type of truth there. And it's ugly, it's dark, uh, and uh, what's just as dark, sadly, <laughs> is uh, what we see in the ring. And that's what we, uh, more importantly, what I'm supposed to cover. And that, yeah, that, that I've not been complimentary on that end either. I've, I've been wanting him to call it quits since 2013, so six years. So, and I've been consistent with that. I have not been excited for any of these BJ Penn fights. I've been calling for him to call it quits for six years. So though I admit, and I, uh, to being a big fan of his, for what that's worth, when you could be fans of things in this sport when I could be in a personal level because quote-unquote media and you really can't be fans. Plus, even if I wasn't, it's it's hard to be fans of any of these guys. Like I said, Clay Guida's got... All these guys got their dirt, man. 
And uh, there's a lot that I don't talk about because I'm not that person. This isn't that podcast. But let me just tell you, none of these, you know, if you're rooting for one guy over the, it, it just becomes silly at a certain point. That being said, I am not a, a denier of any sorts. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I will once again, like I have been for six years, hope this guy just stops. All right. Uh, Luana Carolina defeated Priscilla Cachoeira. That was, oof, that was a rough watch. Uh, Aeone Barcelos did what he was supposed to do against Hachin. Uh, and Viviani Araujo. Man, knocked out Talita Bernardo. That was insane. Uh, that was another one. That was, that was someone like randomly, I can't remember. It's not worth remembering or worth shouting out. But someone like flexed on me for that one. Like, ha, feel dumb for picking the 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 experience minus 300 favorite <laughs> who wasn't fighting on short notice, fighting a girl who was on short notice two weight classes below. <laughs> and, and yes, uh, uh Araujo actually fought decent competition as opposed to a Luana Carolina, who I, I also faded. Uh, but, but yeah, I, come on. Even if you were taking that shot on Viviani and you saw her, like did you see her just knocking out one punch in a, a girl two weight classes above. And let's be honest, Bernardo could be a 145er. I mean, she's, she's tick. And I don't mean that in a negative way or anything like that. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, props to her. But anybody pretending like they, they, they saw that, they saw the, what, the fucking second one-punch KO ever in, uh, like, women's fighting <laughs> happening. Like, okay, all right, good on you. All right. All right, let's get these odds pulled up. Oh, they're already pulled up. Cool, I didn't ramble on too long, I guess. 17, a little better than last week. And we are going to push forward to uh, the breakdown. As a reminder, I uh, timestamp these uh all the episodes in the show notes, so if you need to skip through, and I will be pushing through these fairly fast. Uh, main event of USC on ESPN Plus 10, Rochester, New York. We have Kevin Lee, who was initially opened, I believe, as a slight favorite, uh, near pick'em odds, but the lesser of the odds at a minus 105, or is minus 115 at a slight higher price tag, but again, basically pick'em for Rafael Dos Anjos, as my dog is drinking water in the background, Benjamin. Making his presence known. Got the breakdown up on MMAJunkie.com with some stats in case I miss any of them here. But yeah, I uh, initially uh, was actually leaning toward Dos Anjos as well. Again, this is what I was referencing earlier. It feels like very much like Fieri versus Chandler. Obviously a little backwards. The Brazilian is the higher weight class and the American pressure fighting wrestler is the one moving up, uh, which is reversed here. That being said, I still feel like, again, the pressuring American wrestler uh, will be open to those crashing counters. Dos Anjos, not a traditional counter threat, nor I would argue as much of a counter threat as Patricio Pitbull. Some old school Bellator pronunciation there. But uh, he does. He has the ability to hit crashing counters for what it's worth. Most of the stuff that's rocked Kevin Lee, aside from the right hand from Santos, has been left hands. Um, he's not opposed to... Uh, Power kicks from that side as well. But then again, he, he is 5-0 and against UFC Southpaws. Dos Anjos, um, I believe it's something like crazy like... like oh my gosh, I, I, I don't have the stats up. He's got a really good win percentage, though, if he can just score at least one takedown in his fight. Um, but uh, I don't think he's going to get that here uh, unless it's the later rounds and Kevin Lee tires, which is the thing. It's like, which Kevin Lee are we going to get? Tired early on in his career, he was young. He is, you know, uh, you know, muscular guy. Maybe doesn't know how to 
control the energy as much. But then you see other fights where you really improve that. I was working guys in paces in three round fights, and uh, and then you know he he kind of he fades obviously with the Ferguson fight, but that was Tony Ferguson. Where Tony Ferguson, even if Kevin Lee didn't have the staff, could have made him look that way because I just believe Ferguson's that good, puts that much of a pace. And yes, Kevin Lee also had staff. Comes back strong against Edson Barbosa, and that's the motherfucker. That, that's the one that makes it hard to pick against Kevin Lee. And, or hard not to pick him, depending on which way you're going. Either way, that fight definitely plays a factor in your decision-making because he shows great cardio, gets the finish. Off my pillows. Off. Who do you think you are? Off the pillows. Your bed. Go into your bed. Sorry, it's my bed. Yeah. Lay down. You really, you're really milking this podcast time, aren't you? Good boy. Good boy. All right. Uh, all right. Um, anyways, by the way, shouts to the homie, uh, uh, Dan Levy. Uh, he posted it on, on, on his Facebook. I don't want to get into it, but much love. I'm going to get him back on here for some top five action as well. Um, but that just made me think of, made me think of the homie there. All right. Um, but yeah, Sorry, I was talking about Kevin Lee and Dos Anjos. Uh, but yeah, you know, he, he has that fight against Barbosa and finishes him in the fifth round and just, you know, gets hurt. Like every type of adversity, just putting wrestling pressure, striking pressure, and I, I'm not sure what he tried to change up in the Al fight. Maybe Al's just a bad matchup. Al's obviously a good fighter, even though he came up short against Cerrone. That was just a, a Styles thing that, again, I should have been on. Again, not listening to my, my initial self when I warn here. So maybe that could be the trend here, folks. Maybe it's Dos Anjos or Bus, which is what the betters look to have done for a fight that's tight. Uh, and I don't blame them. But uh, but at the end of the day, Dos Anjos, all of his losses, close ones or not, uh, the wrestling has been the factor, man, from from, from Gleason Tebow, Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, Covington, Usman, and onward, and, and Lee... You know, Lee has that pathway. Uh, and uh, so, I don't know what he changed. He did go to, you know, Sam Calvito, which is like, it makes you raise eyebrows now just hearing that guy's name right. But uh, I don't know if that means his cardio is going to be better or not. But I like that Lee treated it like, uh, I, I like most guys, they treat it like their normal camp, except they just kind of skip the cut. Because you'll see some guys come come in and celebrate it and be like really garbage weighty. Obviously, like BJ Penn would really do that. And although Dos Anjos was disciplined and came in in good shape to hold pace, I would argue you saw that with the Safadine fight. You know, there's a little bit of love there, almost like a celebration. Kind of got to cut that weight anymore. And it was a high-paced fight, and it was a, a you know a new weight class. But Safadine isn't the most gigantic welterweight, and uh, you know Dos Anjos was in control for most of that fight, so. You know, and then you see his, his cardio obviously get better. I pick him to beat, you know, Robbie Lawler. He's more settled in. He looks better. But uh, Kevin Lee, you know, he looked decent on the scales this morning. But uh, I just like that the weight is keeping somewhere and he's keeping that approach. In fact, putting more of an emphasis. The one change he did make was to strength and conditioning and cardio. So let's see. Uh, let's see if that holds through. I pick Kevin Lee by decision, but I would not be surprised to see uh, Dos Anjos hit there. Um He's chewing on his bone. My mic picks up everything. All right. Uh, so yeah, Antonio Carlos Jr., minus 185. Ian Heinisch, uh, plus 160. Um, 
I actually took Heinish here, and Carlos Jr., you know, a guy that sometimes I uh, would, would, would fade at times and, uh, and, and whatnot. And maybe a little bit of that here. He is coming off of a layoff and some surgeries, I believe, so some injuries for sure. Uh, and then Heinish, I mean, he's just one of those guys that – hold on one second. All right, Beck, sorry, dog is just uh... – yeah, anyways. Getting into stuff over there. Um, yeah, and Heinish just keeps proving me wrong. Like he had no business, I felt like he had no business being lined even that close to Fajeda last minute and going down to South America and, and was able to put together that performance, almost submitted Fajeda, popped his arm. Uh, even, you know, a third-degree black belt like that. Um, so aside from that fight against, you know, uh, what's-his-name, uh, fuck, Maluco Perez, who I had a terrible, uh, I don't have a terrible read on, but just definitely one of the harsher guys I graded and uh, has looked like just getting better every time. So I uh, definitely changed my opinion on him. But, yeah, aside from that slip-up, he's really handled the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts that he's dealt with really well. Um, elongated camp was dealing for a submission threat as well for Breeze because Breeze is underrated off his back. I'm sure his camp spotted that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think in theory, it depends how you look at it. You know, Heinrich is a wrestler, but he's not beyond being taken down. And wrestlers tend to give their back. Antonio's Carl, Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, is just a master back taker, uh, amongst other things. But that's where he makes his money, especially in MMA. Or you can look at it that uh, wrestle boxer on paper is probably Antonio Carlos Jr.'s worst nightmare because even you know he's striking is improving and I'm really curious to see those improvements because his boxing is actually improving, which kind of counters the point I'm about to make. But I would still argue that though athletic, it's a deceptive athleticism Antonio Carlos Jr. has, and he really needs to kind of control the distance and seems to be at heart an all the way in, all the way out type of guy. So he'll use kicks to take downs, and now he's training the hands in between, which is good. And I'm looking for those improvements here, but I'll still take Heinish in that zone uh, where he's really comfortable and operates best at. Uh, and like he said in interviews, he may even take Carlos Jr. down and just wear him out and tire him out, um, and kind of take maybe like a maybe more of a Pat Cummings approach uh, if, if he if he can do that, you know. Um, He's the more uh, active guy right now, so we'll see how that plays out. I took a shot on him, not saying you, you should too, but uh, that's uh, one of two dogs that I, I like and took a shot on here. All right, next fight is ooh, perhaps another one. Me Megan Anderson, minus 220, and Felicia Spencer, plus 180. Um, more money keeps piling on on the favorite. I don't know if it's because my read is off here because I'm going to go with Spencer or because... People are playing to their sensibilities, which I can totally understand. I mean, Dan Tom's got a lot of types. Beautiful woman's a beautiful woman. And uh, I also like myself a weird type. And, uh, well, let's just say Megan Anderson is my type of, uh, my type of weird. I, I really dig me some Megan Anderson with all due respect. She's a beautiful, uh, beautiful creature. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll leave it at that. But I, I'm not trying to get creepy here, Dan. You're always creepy. Well, that might be true. But I'm not trying to get creepy here. I'm saying that as its relevance to the analysis that uh, I think that, you know, that could be why here, especially with the female fights. But we see it with guys, too, when someone's a fan favorite or for whatever reason. The money kind of tends to follow that. 
And, it, you know, oh, it's an Invicta fighter. Granted, you know, she's a champion and undefeated. That might get popped maybe as a male regional coming in, maybe not as much as a female. Because a lot of people are looking at it like, oh, Anderson, uh, rebound fight. Or, get, or not rebound because she kind of came off of a win, though. It didn't. It was anticlimactic fight. Didn't really get going. Not Anderson's fault by any means, but it is what it is, right? I'm calling it what it was there. Um, just kind of anticlimactic. So we still need to see where Anderson's at. And stylistically, I feel like this is a this is a, a match that's kind of you know always troubled her and always will trouble her so long as she should identify as a striker and fight to her body type that way. Um, I mean, she's working in jujitsu a lot more down there with James Krause and Gloria Man Fitness. I believe she's even ranked like a blue belt or so. I want to say. Uh, so it's not like she's not working on it, but unless we see some serious improvements, I think grapplers are always going to give her trouble. And we saw, you know, Cindy Dandois, I know that was early in her career. But even Holly Holm was able to grapple, grapple her. And, and when do we see that, you know, we saw Holly Holm maybe mess with takedowns with one fight, and she never really got the confidence there. She just kind of was just insecure and just kind of held the clinch against Cyborg. And that was her way of controlling and her mind scoring, I think. Excuse me. Um, and she had a lot of that with Megan Anderson as well, which is... I think part, and I'm not trying to, to totally discredit uh, Megan. She was framing out hips and getting underhooks. It's like she wasn't. She was a complete fish out of water as far as knowing what to do for defense. But a lot of the ones she defended, a lot of it was in part to Holly kind of freezing up and not really kind of half-heartedly committing. So I don't know how much you want to give credence to those defenses. And the offenses, Holly worked hard for them, but uh, they weren't the most you know impressive or textbook. Or well-timed takedowns. She she made him work. She made him happen. Let's just say. Whereas that was the first thing I noticed watching tape on Felicia Spencer. You know, she was doing high crotch lifts from the, from the cage. She was timing sh reactive shots on girls coming in, but also timing it on, in the open on her coming in, going like Superman elbow change level to a shot. And when that shot wasn't there, she would cut an angle and drive the correct direction. Like, and really hustle through takedowns. She looked like she was gassing. And she would hustle and drive through takedowns in, like, a fourth round of a fight. Uh, I mean, the exact kind of thing you want to see for a fighter uh, going against a, a type like a Megan Anderson. Um, and not that, you know, she's a black belt in Taekwondo, came up doing that, but also was a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. And girls have challenged that before. I think Pam Sorensen did, and she went out and just fucking waxed her. And uh, Pam Sorensen, you know, win or lose, was pretty confident in how she's handled herself and her, if you look at her record. But it, she was wrong. And uh, Felicia Spencer is, is, is legit. You know, she didn't get out, I guess she didn't get out of a Cracker Jack box. Um, trains out of a smaller gym in Florida, but but is proud of that fact. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, she's, could she get rocked by Megan Anderson? For sure. That's Megan Anderson's power. She stalks. She's mean, and once she hurts you with the hands, the head kicks are going to follow. Uh, that's where she, her kicks are much more effective than when she has them hurt. When she throws them naked, not so much. Which, again, against a Taekwondo black belt uh, and Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but she can meld the two with wrestling, she, I got to imagine she's going to be comfortable at distance and then with the aforementioned wrestling and ground skills to get her the win. So I played Felicia Spencer there. As much as I love me some Megan Anderson for, for many reasons, uh, I played me some Felicia Spencer, who, by the way, her interview is just hilarious. Let me, I got it up here, yeah. Uh, what did she say? Uh, MMA Junkie, if you go to the MMA Junkie YouTube. <laughs> Matt Erickson, Uncle Matty, he was like, yeah, she's uh, 
Megan Anderson, she's got six inches on you and height wise. What, how do you feel? And, uh, Spencer goes, six inches doesn't impress me much. <laughs> and I could just hear like uh, a harmonious exhale of 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 of, of majority of the MMA fan base go. Oh. <laughs> like oh, like the Simpsons or like one of those anime series with a crowd, you just hear them all like audibly moan disappointment and just walk away with their heads down. Oh. <laughs> I like your style, Felicia. I like your style. All right, taking Spencer here. All right, we got Vicente Luque minus one million dollars. Might as well be minus one thousand versus Derek Krantz plus six fifty. You know, Krantz coming off a fight not too long ago, apparently was in shape and, and within striking distance of the weight. And it looks like interviews of him coming in. And, uh, and yeah, it presents interesting challenges. They kind of like to do the same things, and Derek Krantz kind of acknowledged that as well. He actually didn't know who Vicente Luque was initially, which was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a heavy-handed uh, boxer for the most part doesn't throw too many kicks. Just you know, throw the heavy right hand, roll under it, throw the left hook, lean, slip, come back with the right hand type of guy. Right, we'll, we'll move his head, but we'll also get into those wars. Uh, but really, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and did some wrestling, I believe, as well, because he's, he's built like a wrestler, fights like a wrestler, comes forward, works well from top side, better than than bottom. But uh, I don't know if, how 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 much he's going to want to shoot against Luque with that head and arm choke. I'm sure he's seen that Darce. If not, you know, uh, that Luta Livre, that catch wrestling uh, style uh, grappling Luque has is, uh, I think he's going to match up well with Krantz's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu wrestling hybrid as well. Um, and then on the feet, I think it's just going to be a big speed difference there. Um, th th that's the big difference on the feet. I mean, he has to, like I said, he is heavy-handed, Krantz is, so Luque will have to respect that. But uh, there's going to be a big speed difference. And although Barbarina, you know, tried to expose Luque's gas tank and did his best and show maybe if you put a heavy fight, there are pockets you can capitalize. And then that, that perhaps can be proven true again. But I don't know if Derek Krantz is going to do that because he, you know, he's been suspect of gas in his fights too. And then taking this one on short notice, you know, there's shape and then there's fight shape. I'm not sure if outworking Luque is going to be his game plan going in here. Or a feasible one. So, yeah, I got Luque. Um, Oliveira minus 355, Nick Lentz plus 295. Obviously, I'm going with Oliveira here, but I got to state my bias. Uh, again, Nick Lentz is one of the few guys who I kind of actively root against, and I'm not proud of that. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't do that. Uh, I'm not proud of it. It's not right, no matter who the person is, even if it's someone like Nick Lentz. But if I'm giving analysis, I got to be honest on what clouds my analysis, and it does. Um... You know, even though, uh, again, the people he was picking on ended up not being the greatest people either, uh, he still likes to punch down just kind of in general. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. Uh, and uh, it just it's hard to root for those people that said Nick Lentz is much better than you, betting lines attached, much better than people like me give credit for. He's a very good fighter, and uh, he might be on his last chapter, but it's a good last chapter because he made a move. To Hard Knock 365, he's been getting settled in. This has got to be his, what, like his third or fourth camp down there or something like that. Uh, he's got a lot of guys on this card. Uh, so they got a, he's got a good group to work with going in. I'm sure he's going to be very prepared, but I'm not sure why they're making this matchup. I think it's going to go down a lot like the uh, the second fight, but I'm going to go round two, Charles Oliveira by uh, Sol Michel. 
um, to survive the pressure. Charles Oliveira hasn't been packing it up quite so easily lately, and he's been on a crazy run. Uh, so I think he's going to be a... I don't think he needs too much motivation to 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 fight a Nick guy like Nick Lentz again either. So, give me uh, give me Dubronx. All right, uh, Austin Hubbard uh, is the underdog, plus three sixty, making his debut against Davi Hamos, minus four fifty. Like, when the hell is Davi Hamos gonna get? Or uh, shout out to Brian from uh, last podcast. He was on last drunk recap or whatever you want to call it show we did. <laughs> David Ramos. <laughs> David Ramos, minus 450, baby. But yeah, when the fuck is David Ramos going to get a good fight? Like, this is ridiculous. Is he just going to keep feeding him people? And like, the test of who knows Davi Ramos IQ, you know? And we're just going to see these ridiculously inflated lines on these meaningless fucking regional fight card. It feels like it at this point. Calling UFC fights regional. Jesus. That's how saturated it feels, folks. Um, and Austin Hubbard, speaking of regional, man, like, that's the that's the uh, one of the fun and or in this case painful things about watching is some of the commentary like god damn it let me just commentate your shows for free people i'll do it uh not not, not too many not too many obviously i'm i'm i'm, uh, I'm not in the midwest or in these random places and and most places here are spoken for but when you listen to more of these and i'm not trying to pick on midwest or anything like that but more of these how do you say how do you say Podunk, right? <laughs> no, just kidding. Like more like middle of nowhere kind of uh, promotions you haven't heard of or whatever, and you go to like listen to the commentary. Holy crap, man! It is just it's painful. It is fucking painful. And I got Eric, the Eric Wisely, Austin Hubbard commentary. Oh god, it was just it was tear. It was fucking awful. I was cringing like I was just like just after like the the commentator just referenced himself for like the fifteenth time. I was like literally. Literally going, ah, just making noises to wash out the comments, and then I just turned it down. Um, I was like probably doing dishes or something at the time, and I was like, what the fuck, I gotta stop for a second and turn this motherfucker down. Yeah, that was really annoying, but uh, yeah, Hubbard looks like he's got some good skills, uh, you know, commensurate, kind of all-around dude, came up, uh, but, uh, but good kickboxing, I believe out of the Denver, Colorado scene, it's been a couple days since I reviewed this fight, so I'm a little shaky on my notes here. Um, good kickboxing and whatnot. Not bad on the, not terrible on the ground either. But uh, you know, again, just when the guy just is, has such a sharp, sharp weapon, it's hard not to see him use it. I see Davi Hamos using that and getting the submission. I actually, that's one of the, uh, yeah, that's one of the uh, props I took. Uh, Hamos by sub minus one thirty eight. It's a chalky prop, but I just feel like it's it's. It's it's pretty much like eighty five percent of the way this fight goes now. So I'll I'll put money on my you're gonna put minus one thirty eight on an eighty five percent outcome in my opinion. I'll take it. All right, uh, Aspen Lad and Sajara Eubanks. Aspen Lad's your favorite minus three twenty comeback on Eubanks plus two sixty. I like Lad here. Um, I just think that uh. Her kickboxing styling is going to keep her safe. Uh, she plays distance really well. Her stance and the the open stance to Sarge. Maybe she'll have to be watch out for for the kicks for that reason. But unless Sarge lands one of those kicks from that from that open stance, I don't see uh, I don't see much really phasing Lad. Uh, a little really has phased her. I'm not just talking about her record, but when you really watch her watch her fights, her composure. It's 
there's a quiet meanness there, man. Hopefully she comes out to that, uh, what was it, like Last of the Mohicans or whatever it is, the song. It's, it's really badass, though, and she's just a weird, kind of a weird chicken. I mean that in the best of ways. Uh, I don't know why, you know, I don't know a lot of girls give her crap or I, think, I don't know if it's fans or other female fighters or both about the weight, but, uh, you know, she looks like she's a, she's in, she's in good shape. Uh, <laughs> my God. You know, this isn't this. This isn't the type of program. But and uh, <laughs> I'm really try not to be creepy here. Just she's just God forbid. Who knows who listens to this? But man, I will say I did see like you know so I went to the comments and like one of her pictures like more revealing pictures. I'm like oh, one of my favorite things is I don't like to like you know I'm a guy. I'm not gonna say I don't appreciate certain things. I do, but I'm not like the dude that's like oogling all perverted like. But what I do like to do is watch the oogling perverts comment. And I like to go right to the comment section. I'll, I'll go right past the picture. I'll go to the comment section. And you just, you know, I've talked about this on with Jordan Killian, who's going to be coming on probably next week there for a top five. And just all the creeps in the comment section. And a lot of times you'll find the family members or the boyfriends, like, come swatting them off like flies, right? It's hilarious. And I saw someone, lad or whatever, like, commenting. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh this must be your sister. Like, wow, he's young, attractive. It doesn't, kind of doesn't even look like Aspen. Like, you know, uh, this is, and it ended up being Aspen Ladd's mom. And I'm not going to lie, guys. Aspen Ladd's mom is, uh, it's crazy. Like, they look like they give these sisters. It's crazy. And, like, there's, like, her daughter and Aspen Ladd's brother, who's, like, kind of a close age. And, like, they all look like brothers and sisters. Like, you can't even tell one of them is the freaking mom. It's ridiculous. I don't know why I'm sharing that. <laughs> it's just one of those things where I was just like, what the fuck? And she just goes to war in Aspen's comment section. If anybody says anything negative or sexual, it's... it's... I don't know. I don't know, man. All right, next one. <laughs> Desmond Green might have said... I don't, know else. I don't know where I'm taking you with that one, guys. <laughs> Dan Thomas just... Sometimes I, sometimes I trot down a trail, guys. You just got to let me trot. Just, you know, Dan, we're not going to follow you. Have fun. Come back before dark if you can. <laughs> Desmond Green minus 750. Charles Jordan plus 525. I was watching some tape on Jordan. And the cool thing about bringing over these two KO prospects is we get the footage on Fight Pass. And I get to hear uh, Ram Dean and Black, man. My, my buddy's over there doing some commentary. Always nice. They're talking about, like, mushrooms at a certain point in Jordan's fight. I think it was uh, Lapalus. That was, that was funny. But, uh, but, yeah, man, apparently he's got some ground skills as well. He's not just, like, a, a kickboxer. A Canadian kickboxer, uh, and I say that in a complimentary way. You know, it's, a, it's one of the more stereotypical uh, martial arts you, you you'll find them excelling. But he's got a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well, which surprised me. But I can tell he trains a lot in gi because the wrestling isn't really there. And even when he was getting positions like mount, like he probably could have finished the fight sooner. But he was going for weird grips and real low percentage stuff that even with the gi would be low percentage. But without it, he was just really failing on it because there was just no grips and he was just giving position away mindlessly. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know how much weight, let's just say, to put in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt there. Um, whereas Des Green, I think he's going to be more than good enough to stall. He's just got so much experience. I love Des Green's breakdown of this fight, too. Uh, you know, Again, on the MMA Junkie channel YouTube there. Uh, it is great because he's talking about Dragon Balls. He's like, yo, dog, gonna go Sensu Beans. Power up. <laughs> I remember that next time. I gotta ask Des, Des Green who his favorite um, Dragon Ball Z character is and if he agrees with me that Kurillin, or that Marlon Mirage is, is the live-action Kurillin. Mm, go on. Mr. 
Mr. Piccolo. Sorry, I gotta go down that dark road either. Uh, but yeah, I think Des Green Southpaw styling is, is gonna go okay here. And Jordan knows how to fight against Southpaws too. That that previously mentioned Lapos fight was a lot of Southpaw versus Southpaw, but Des Green can do that as well. One of his main training partners, obviously, Southpaw Michael Johnson. Des Green can not just come forward, but counter deceptively well too. Uh, the, you know, typical counters you'll find from a, a southpaw, the, the check right hook and the counter left hand. But I think that should be enough to keep him safe on the feet until he wants to take it down. Um, green wrestling is way to a decision. Perhaps not too bad, but I, I don't think that line was attractive for me to hit. But I think that's the way it goes uh, for what that's worth. Um, Danny Hoberts, minus 245. Michel Pejera, plus 205. Um, I'm sure you guys saw. Shout out to Lord Honky Humongous. On Twitter, I'm sure you guys saw all those all those uh, compilations. He kind of posted it in one because really, if you do the search, it's just a bunch of different highlights, anyways. Uh, and that can be taken out of context. Kind of harder to find his full fights, but yeah, the guy was like fighting up at heavyweight, and I always say middleweights. We used to fight at heavyweights, not crazy. Uh, shouts to Julian Marquez, as Julian Marquez says, middleweights are just heavyweights who cut weight, and that kind of stuck with me. I find that to be true. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not a crazy stretch uh, for guys like Pajeda to do it. Like we said, that what Ildemar Alcantara did the same thing, right? He was fighting at like light heavyweight, even some heavyweight fights, uh, but then would go and make just make, and then just start making cuts to 170 whenever he got UFC fights at the top level. Uh, so perhaps Michel is doing that here. Um, Danny Roberts should be the favorite, man. I'm a big fan of Danny Roberts. Not opposed to picking against him, which I had before, but I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I think his southpaw stylings and his, his counter left's going to be live here. And his ground skills, again, aren't bad. Uh, I feel bad. It was a dog fight. I, I picked him the other way there. So, I mean, uh, it didn't affect me so much that way. But to see a guy fight his ass off and not, act, you know, not tap and, you know, it was a verbal, but he, that's arguable too. Uh, who, who, who the grunt came from. Uh, but anyways, and I'm not trying to unpack that or, or to take away from either guy. But I got Danny Roberts here, but I don't know. I just, and I'm not saying he's the chinniest guy in the world, but it's enough to where you put him against a wild athletic dude cutting down. And I was looking at Pereira's Instagram. Let's just say this dude, uh, not fully in the USADA pool yet. So let's just see. <laughs> he's dipping his toes and he goes... <laughs> Yeah, I'll jump in in a second. Just give me give, give me a second. Fight still Saturday? I'll, I'll be in there, Novinsky. Let me just... The water's a bit cold right now. <laughs> that's about that's about the portion of the pool he's in, let's just say. <laughs> not, not saying he's not going to... Not saying he's not going to swim or stay afloat, but... Uh, you know, these guys coming in. All right. <laughs> All right, we got Grant Dawson, minus 135 in the next fight. Mike Trezano, minus... Or plus 115. Uh, and I shouldn't even say it like an Italian guy, even though he's from Jersey. Jersey. Dirty Jersey. Because he's like super American. He comes out to that song. Roy Nelson, I don't know if he still comes out to that song, but that was one of my favorite like videos. Back in the day, there was that big brawl in the audience out here at MGM when it was like, I think it was like Carlin versus Roy Nelson. It was like, born in the... And people, like, that song just made people want to just scrap each other, apparently, and just drunk dudes just started brawling. It was funny times. Shouts if you remember that. Um, yeah, man, Trezano's a hard guy to, to get a beat on. He's a really good point fighter, fights really well. Doesn't have the ground skill, or not the ground skills, the ground accolades, but trains with enough guys uh, that are going to give him, uh, you know, not like D1 wrestling looks, but... 
perhaps a guy like Dawson's wrestling level, which I believe his wrestlings are better than his accolades or kind of represent. But uh, I I believe he'll get those looks. That being said, I'm going to go with Grant Dawson here. I think uh, he's going to have a good corner with him as well between the Glory MMA as well as, uh, you know, probably having double duty there. All the Glory MMA people will also be getting some... uh, one of my favorites, Mark Montoya from Factory X, because those gyms seem to be kind of tightly knit together. Uh, and I like Grant Dawson's kind of just pressure, uh, pressure and, gra- and grappling and top control. Trezano wasn't beyond being taken down, um, although he, he, he he's not completely lost down there or anything. But, yeah, I just can't help seeing that, that be the pathway for Dawson. But it's going to be a sweater no matter which side you take. Uh, I guess dog or pass, but that's actually going to make my... Uh, my avoids list. Oh, Pereira and Roberts are my, is on my avoids list as well, by the way. All right. Uh, next fight, Patrick Cummins. Oh, Zach Cummins is in the next one. That's a lot of Cummins on this card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick Cummins, minus 250. <laughs> Ed Herman, plus 210 is the underdog. Um, Fat Pat. Fat Pat Cummins. Fat Pat. Uh, taking Patrick Cummins here. Surprised to see him this high of a favorite. Because, you know, just the way his fights go is win or lose. They're fucking wars. And uh, opinions aren't high. And even though I'm a big fan of Pat Cummins and there's bias there, who's sure coach. He's a big Neil Melanson guy. So now he's out here in Vegas. Uh, coach, coach of mine. So, so obviously stated bias there, folks. But I like Ed Herman, too. I've taken some shots on Ed Herman as the dog uh, against Tim Bosch. And maybe another time where it didn't pay off. But I got he's back for Ed Herman, man. He sounds pretty motivated and better shape coming into this fight than his next fight. Uh, he was really sore about that split decision loss, but he sounds a lot more critical and objective about it in the interviews now, saying he could have done more and really just focusing on those things. Got a reality check from having to work a full-time job. I think Ed Herman's much more live than this line is going to uh, give way to, but despite Ed Herman's work with wrestling and his wrestling experience, um, I, I, don't, I just don't know if his hips are the same. Uh, he's got much more miles on him than a guy like Cummins, even though Cummins is older and has just been in a lot of wars. He still doesn't have the same miles as an Ed Herman, believe it or not. Uh, which That sh- shouldn't be a hard argument to make, but i got to remember that not everybody's been following the sport for a long time. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I think Cummins is going to wrestle his way to uh, victory here. Um, so I actually took Cummins by decision plus 100 because I just, I, I just see that's where the fight's going. He's not. I don't think he's going to submit Ed as really tough. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get him out of there with ground and pound. Uh, and Pat really needs to win. So I think he's going to put together a win and get some wrestling in here. So uh, Pat Cummins plus 100. I played that. Taking Pat Cummins here. Zach Cummins. Mm, Zach Cummins. This, uh, Southpaw. Come on, Missouri! Uh, it's plus 135 against Trevin Giles. Jay Giles! Jay Giles! Uh, Trevin Giles, minus 155. Jay Giles hasn't been around for a while, but uh, looks like he's been, you know, being a cop, having a kid, getting married, maybe not having a kid, but getting married, I think. Uh, dude's been dude's been busy, so I, I, that looks like why he took the time off. He didn't have any fights officially booked. I didn't see any injuries or anything, but he's a young guy. He can afford to do that. He gets better each time out. Uh, and was really impressed by him in his last times when I uh, and went back to go refresh myself and was reminded why. Just kind of that wrestle boxing kind of base. And he was a guy that kind of, he came from football, uh, playing football. Um, 
not re- not wrestling, but it, it was translating really well. You know, I, I give crap. You know, uh, not give crap. I'm just state, kind of stating the facts. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, we, you know, he's one of those guys from that do come over from football. I guess my criticism though is more for heavyweight because that's kind of the thing. Is like the great white hope. If everybody in MMA seems to have that for football because a lot of us are not me included obviously are a big football fan so it's like oh heavy just imagine if a heavyweight comes into this pool we still really haven't seen that i guess that's all i'm saying for that but uh and usually the guys that do it's usually like okay they've had wrestling like a brock lesnar or a hager or uh the, you know even lighter weight guys or they are lighter weight guys like a francisco rivera or uh, so on and so forth um josh berkman's of the world they're usually the lighter guys that translates not, not 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 the heavier guys um, Jay Giles though man he's a smaller middleweight and he seems to be right in that sweet spot and he seems to be adapted well I just worry about his trading you know when he was on the ground against Braganetto you look at his corner he's right in front of his corner dude like a whole fucking minute went by and three fucking faces I didn't see one lip move for any direction on the corner and like he was able to woo his way up but I was like Jesus Christ and he did some smart things like he was fighting for wrists he wasn't giving his back which was the main thing I'm looking for against a guy like Cummins Cummins will go for the back at the wrong times which has cost him costing him in his last fight against uh, Trevor Smith his first move back up to middleweight he used to fight a light heavyweight for Christ's sake uh, so it's not a bad move for Cummins he's not a small guy by any means he probably may even be bigger than Jay Giles but uh Again, a wrestle boxing type, I think, is probably the worst type for, for Cummings, even though Cummings is underrated counter from that southpaw stance. I don't know. I haven't been seeing the uh, improvements I like to. And I've taken I got respect for Cummings, man. I've taken shots on that guy as a dog plenty of times, but not here, uh, even against a guy with a layoff. Um, I think Jay Giles, Trevin Giles, is going to you know probably pay if he doesn't uh, – come in with a better corner eventually or a better kind of direction in, in those regards, you know. I don't know if we'll see him advance at least to, to, to his potential. So we'll see what he does. And it looks like he's got a good job as being a cop. I was trying to find some interviews. I didn't I didn't get around to seeing too many. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested there. But I'm going to avoid this fight for, for that reason. But I will be taking Jay Giles. Sorry about that. Uh, Trevin Giles. All right. Uh, last fight on the card. Julio Arce, minus 750. Julian Arosa, uh, a.k.a. Cameron from Ferris Bueller, plus 525. Always got respect for Arosa. Taking shots from him as a dog. Picked him plenty of times. But uh, can't pick him on this one. Big respect for Arce. I think he's going to fight it either to decision, maybe get a finish. But Arosa's super tough, man. So I could actually see it uh, just being an entertaining, hard-fought decision where you know who the winner is. But Arosa's just toughness allows him to come forward if he doesn't get KO'd. Uh, for doing so, because his defense, you know, he can keep those low hands. Harse can be a pinpoint guy. He'll finish you from the back if you give it to, but I don't know if he's going to finish Arosa by, at least by a submission, maybe by strikes. But I'm going to go ahead and take Arce by a decision. Uh, again, when these guys need wins, you know me, I usually tend to factor that into my decision. So, all right, recap for the picks and play, starting from the top. Taking Kevin Lee over Rafael Dos Anjos, although I will be dancing for the Kumite uh, song when that plays, right? Oh, can we please get a chain-smoking Asian guy to be taking bets and you can cut to it, uh, ESPN, for this for that walkout? Taking Kevin Lee over Rafael Dos Anjos. Taking Ian Heinish. Heine, would you like to touch my Heine? Over Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, 
taking Felicia Spencer over Megan Anderson, taking Vincente Luque over Derek Krantz, taking Charles Oliveira over Nick Lentz, taking Davi Ham- David Ramos over Austin Hubbard, taking Aspen Ladd over Sarge Eubanks, taking Dez Predator Toon Green over Charles Jordan, taking Danny Hoberts over Michel Pereira, taking Grant Dawson over Michael Trezano. I was going to go into some kind of song there, and I don't know what it was. Taking Patrick Cummins' Fat Pat over Short Fuse Herman. Taking Jay Giles over Zach Cummins. And taking Julio Arce over Julian Cameron from Ferris Day, Beeler's Day Off, Erosa. Props. I played was Hamos by sub, minus 138, one unit. Played Cummins, that's Fat Pat Cummins by decision, plus 100, one unit. Straight plays, two dogs, Ian Heinish, plus 160. My two dog picks was, oh, to the unit on that. My other dog pick, Felicia Spencer, plus 183, unit on that. Avoid Jake Hiles versus Cummins. Dawson versus Trezano Sweat. And Hoberts versus Pajeda Madness. Thanks, guys. Thanks for sticking with me. Apologies for the later episode. Hopefully, uh, it gets to the hardcores who matter. And we'll be back strong, man. We're going to have some top five episodes. Uh, we're going to have some fun. And these will be will be released on Thursday, not Friday, going forward uh, after this break. I can promise you that. More news to come in this break. I can also promise you that. Until then, enjoy your weekend. And always protect your neck.